0: What's good, people? This is episode 155. Who do I have today? That guy looks like an Ian Satterfield. Actually, let's turn on this little Facebook thing. That looks like Ian Satterfield. I look like Jason DeBeas. The episode starts right now. <laughs> What's up, man? What's up, Ian?
1: Thanks for having me, man. It's stoked to be here.
0: Hold up. Yeah, I can't do it that way. I can't just sneak through the front door. I got to kick the front door. You have asked. You have asked. And now you <laughs> shall receive. Because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Dun, 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 dun. This man is a MiraCosta standout and a L- Long Beach State University rock star. A main draw attraction. Not that he's attractive. Which is also true, but a main draw attraction. My man, Ian Satterfield. How's that? That's hey, a better yo, delivery. And the crowd goes, wild. <laughs> oh, That's oh, the Jason oh, I know. That's the Jason. Yeah. I know. There you're we like, go. what happened we're to bad. this old dude, man? <laughs> like, man
1: cameras come on. You get all tuned Come on now.
0: Yo, so before we got on camera, um, I guess in addition to a slew of things we were talking about, I'd like to work from present to past and then hit the rewind button. So right now you got some international stuff coming up. Talk to me about what's coming up next. You got something on December 9th, but something else before that, right?
1: Oh, man, I got so much going on uh i leave sunday for three weeks i'm going out to florida coaching a better beach clinic for a week out in saint pete flying straight from there to austin for a pro event four-person event called no scrubs at moon tower no scrubs yeah a bunch of top avp players are going to be there not including myself but i'll be there uh no i'm just kidding um but no honestly the talent there there's going to be some really sick ballers so it's a great experience for everyone involved you're in the Austin area, definitely go check it out. Moon Tower Saloon, November 5th. Um, yeah, and then I'm going a couple days in Austin, training with my volleyball community friends out there, and then flying straight from there to the Cayman Islands, playing in a Norseca event with Jake Rudia. Jersey Jake. Yep, yep. So, yeah, we've been training together. It's funny. He, and I hope you're cool with this tangent. Uh, he and I had both been playing with partners who were out of state for the majority of this summer season. Uh, So naturally, we both needed a partner to train with when we were here. So we actually practiced a lot together this summer. And then uh, at the end of the season, we ended up parting ways with our own partners. And uh, we're like, dude, why don't we just play together? We've been training together this whole time anyway
0: that's so yeah
1: you know and we were playing well that was another thing like we were finding success against the teams that we were playing against and still are and uh so yeah that's kind of just how the partnership started um I don't know if you want me to go into some of the things that I like or any of that stuff or I'm getting um, too early or
0: well actually I would we're definitely like to talk about that but as I said way I'd like to say that um you teaming up with jake it, it, it's a nice warm personal uh, place in my heart um a lot of people know because i talk about me a lot um jake was one of the few people that um i was okay i was his coach at Hermosa beach him and earl schultz and that was jake's first qualifier for the main draw and we're going to talk about yours later too um, and that was really, really cool because I felt, to me as a coach, I felt like pure meritocracy as opposed to like Rafu and Kevin, right? Where, you know, you know, they're going to make it anyway. And it's also about like me being a New Yorker where it didn't make me feel like an imposter in the tent because... Right. No one has a problem with you because you, you aren't given a team. You punch your own ticket. So. So Jake is 33 percent responsible for that for me. So for for him, I'm eternally grateful. I know I like his brother, Marcus, pretty cool guy. So and I got a chance to talk to him more in California than I did in New York. So, so getting into what you're going to talk, you could talk about, I saw some significant improvement on. One, his court vision, his ability to take care of first hit and then lock on, lock on to what's across the net. Because some people have trouble doing that, and some people wind up waiting for the set and doing this and this this this. Look like a damn baseball pitcher for Christ's sake! And mm-hmm. that, and, and you know get tired. that's you. <laughs> that work? No, that work. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Neck muscles is jack, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I saw, I saw, I thought his court vision got better after first contact because I was what I was trying to show him first contact. Look across, and then once you look across, get used to your peripheral staying there, not that you're following a ball. And if you train your eyes to do that, now you see the block. Now you see the digger. Now you see that girl. you know uh, who's been following you every game uh, on the on the on the back line You're behind the like, defender. I was gonna
1: highlight, but yeah. now I gotta bounce it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's out. So what? <laughs> it looked great. It looked great. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, girl? Um, happily married, guys. But um, single. Yes, yeah, single. Straight and single. Single. Yeah. <laughs> so give me one thing. Well, my question is twofold, but let's start with one. Give me one thing you saw. Um, slight improvement since you started to talk uh training with jake i'm not talking about significant improvement i'm not talking about revolution uh because you don't have enough time to do that it so but were there the, any any of these small evolutions where you're like all right wow since we started training together he got sad he got this
1: yeah so uh <laughs> we've actually been doing some one-on-one sessions or like three-person sessions where mm-hmm. we just go down drill and work on some things and We've been working on his defense, so that's definitely something that's come along. He's making a lot better reads. Um, we're trusting each other's reads a little bit more now versus like kind of sticking to a call and trusting the call. Um, and so he's already a, a good, hard-driven digger right but now he's starting to make more reads on the run like okay he's seeing a cut shot and picking it up or seeing a high line even though that's not the play call and that was something that i and i don't mean to offend anyone but some of my previous partners struggled with was getting away from the play call and once you're there being it Able to just make a read from that play call versus just trusting that they're going to shoot it to you or, you know, do something that you want them to do. Right. Versus like being anticipating and like reading and trying to see where they want to put the ball. Does that come more,
0: generate more from um, someone knowing what their limitations are?
1: Yeah. And there's, that's a great question. Yeah. There's plenty of things that can cause limitations on attackers. So it's kind of like going down like a checklist, uh, of things that this person can and wants to do in almost like a split second or, you know, maybe a couple seconds because you're reading the play, their approach, the set. Um, and you're kind of just like, okay, well, if the set's here, according to like their approach and everything, you're like, well, I can check off that. They're not going to do this. Right. And then you can start kind of like narrowing it down as to like what their options are. And I think kind of going against what I'm saying, um, some of the best volleyball players are able to, instead of narrow that down, keep that fan wide. And I can only speak because I've, played with him for four years in college, but I think Taylor Crab is one of the best people at maintaining that fan being wide. And I played against Sander again, the entire college career and same thing. Like our scouting report was like, he can hit everywhere. Like that's fine. He's going to get his kills, but we're going to have to find ways to try to make him uncomfortable and score our own points. So those Two, in my opinion, are really good at getting their feet to the ball, keeping it in a good spot on their shoulder, and then having a lot of options when they're attacking. And I think that's why they're really good.
0: No, but in terms of defense... Uh, um and I and dude that was um <laughs> let me tell you something. That's very useful for a lot of people listening because there, some people go about that another way, but I think there there should be like a base fundamental way to at least start launch from and I and I like that and that's definitely worth sharing. Now from a defensive perspective, knowing your limitations, is it a ball that some people can't believe they can get to because they're not practiced enough or have they practiced it to a point where they're like it's not gonna happen <laughs> you know and they find themselves cheating and playing out of position and this and that so like one of Jake's weaknesses on defense and this is the reason why he he had a hard time with uh hard drivens he on on his ori- original base one we'll just call it base one guys base one is cross court position off the one block base one indoor different thing right base one two and three um so base one Off the one block, he's facing the hitter. But then on his twitch, he does this. He faces a little bit more towards the net. So now on the shots, his line of pursuit is only two-dimensional. It's here where the cut can go past him or drop in where he'd have to make a second move. Or here where the jumbo goes over or drops where he'd have to make a second move or a third move. And Jake, at a certain level, Jake has been able to make two moves and still get away with it. But the higher the level you play, the more you're like, you know, this is gonna suck unless I fix this. Like we played the uh, um in, in the first round of the main drawing. Riley, Riley was on the sauce that day, man. Because <laughs> not only did he did he get digs, but it was it was it was Jake's worst game he's ever played in his life. You know, um, but and I guess my question to you is. He's way too young to be saying he can't or can't do something. So does do you, do you think him not being able to pursue that was not being not him testing his limitations until this point?
1: I'm not sure if I'm understanding your question properly. I'll give it a shot at answering it anyway. Uh, well, for me, uh, if I'm interpreting that question as like what was stopping him from getting that ball, um, there are still times that even in today's practice mm-hmm. where he's making the right read but he kind of just stops. Right. And he knows it and he say he says it out loud. He's like, "Ah, oh, I just got to go for the ball. I can't stop." Right. And this is not only something that he struggles with, but a lot of players struggle with. And and sometimes when I'm playing defense and those Oh, I was I was going to get to you videos, in a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh there are moments where i do that too but there are a few things that like my parents have told me my both my parents played volleyball um actually both of them went to long beach state as well they didn't force me to go there uh i chose to go there sure (laughs) sure sure they didn't force you to go there Uh, so um but one thing that they talk about always is like just running through the ball and they're like dude you used to do it indoor right you do a coach on one and the coach throws a tip what do you do do you stop and like no, you no, not, you literally you led, keep going and then you, go and the then the you dive like a you whole second half. <laughs> yes, right. So they're like, don't stop short just to play the ball, they're like, just go through the ball. So that's maybe something that will help him and other players is that you know, rather than stopping short just to like get there, think about it maybe not quite to the extreme, but like. You can just imagine like indoor, you're going for a tip, like you're sprinting and then you're going through the ball. You don't stop at the sprint. So, or like even a pancake. Yeah.
0: It's also good for the sport to do that. Like one of my least favorite things is watching a men's game. And maybe someone, maybe someone to shoot line over like jumbo. And then they got to take one step and be like, "Nah, it's not going to happen. I'm like, and I'm like, boring. Yeah. I said it was the camera boring. You know, and uh, um, this is why uh, honestly, like women's, Women's, we have. We, look, we're only allowed two teams in the Olympics. That's going to be like three or four disappointed teams that are not going to represent the US. That are right really now. good. Yes, yeah. we, that this, could all be there. Yeah. Only Brazil is in the same situation as us, where there were two teams in, and I'm like, wait, where's what's her name? What? Wow. You can only only allow two teams, right? Malin Sorem, good for you. I mean, you you don't even have a goddamn tan, <laughs> you know? So, um. Yeah. So, what about some of the things you thought he did well? Jake. Or, or is doing well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> one of the biggest things for me that I look for in a partner who's a defender is someone who not only gets digs, but is able to transition out of them and score points in transition. Right. So, that's something that I like about Jake. And this could be part of his uh, East Coast thing, uh, but he plays with his hip on his shoulder. Yeah. And I like that. That helps. Um, So when he gets a dig in transition, he's looking to score. Mm. And I love that.
0: Yeah. It's it's almost like it's weird because when he's on and he gets a dig, you almost expect him to score. It's I mean, at a higher level, like you ever see Ahmed? When Ahmed gets a dig or, or even Taylor, when Taylor gets a dig, fans, they're at the edge of their seat because they know they they have this anticipation of what's gonna come next. They just don't know the how. They know the point's gonna be scored. Yeah. Like, what's he gonna do this time? You know, Ahmed. There's no spoiler alert on that. He's not a shooter. He's a he's a killer. He's he's gonna bomb it somewhere. He's 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 he on my my list of defenders is one or one or one a, you know, maybe behind Christian Sorma, maybe even Lupo, but um, yeah, but. What so that's what you you like about Jake right now?
1: Yeah, and here's and this might offend people and I don't mean to, but uh, here's something that I believe is that he's never really had someone who could give him the set that he needed. No. So I
0: can't think of one partner, Earl. And I, I mean, don't with, mean with No, but with Earl Earl, be,
1: Earl being the best one, that's that's no but no it's being real like when i set him the ball i'm like dude how can you not (laughs) sign out on this like you have like half the court open and like you're not stressed like sometimes all set tight but like for the most part it's pretty good so you know when his passing is decent like we're in system a lot and then it's like well what do they need to do? serve me and then like when my passing is good enough like and i keep the ball in front of me then i'm signing out yeah you know
0: so and jake doesn't cut corners on setting technique either like i've seen him there are some guys that they're they're flinging it this way because they have a great relationship with their partner but i usually i literally see jake move his feet around shoulders to the pole you know
1: that is something that actually uh, is a great point that i forgot um he bump setting is ridiculous like there's some plays that like I thought that oh maybe I passed it like high into the net and somehow he like gets his platform on it and it's like a great set with spin on it. I'm like yeah. Oh sorry, (laughs) sorry. We're already in it.
0: (laughs) We're gonna talk about gay defenders in addition to our language. But um, um, yeah, inside joke. But yeah, I I, I think he gets that from indoor. You know, he's an he was an indoor starter at Rutgers University. They had pretty decent coaching out there. I don't remember who his coach was, but I, I know Carl Francis was there a little bit, but talking about offending people, I didn't think Carl was a real coach <laughs> back then. I think he's a real coach now. You know, he's he's a guy, he's a coach of new X's and O's, but but not about we we both know that it's not about that. Not th- I think that's what made your coach Alan Knipe um so good. He's he's very good with personalities, he's he's very good with presenting players their options, right? On misplays. I, I really appreciate that guy.
1: Yeah, he's great at a lot of things.
0: Yeah, he is. So, I'd, let's make a mental note for Alan Knight because I want to finish with 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 you. What's one of the things you've seen significant improvement improvement in your game? Like, just not with Jay, but just the year two thousand twenty two. You're like, okay, I think I got a little bit better with my serve to space, um, my constant pressure, um, me being able to see the court after whatever, me being able to hold the holding my platform in his dig. You know, what what's something you saw? i know i'm talking about you, you answered it for me yeah.
1: I, <laughs> no you only get yeah. to pick one <laughs> i was going to say all three of those yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i would honestly say just my vision uh attacking and, and we don't even have to say the whole year we could say the last month the last two weeks right what was the difference right versus like oh, I'm going to go up, either do a predetermined swing or try to just be super athletic and do something that they can't stop. Swing high hands, whatever, right? Or listen to my partner's call. But as you start playing against higher level teams, you can't get away with that because they're reading and they're a lot better. And so you, you have to actually know where you're putting the ball, you know, and like do it with a purpose and execute getting that ball there. So for me, from the right side, as a right-handed attacker, uh, that can be a lot of uh, difficulty for people trying to see the court, right? That ball is crossing your body. If you pass anywhere off the net, it's coming over your shoulder into your approach. Do you come in at an angle? Do you kick in? What do you do? Excuse me, right? So for me... I've been playing around with different styles of approaches and just figuring out what's the best way that I can just literally keep the ball in front of me. You just see everything. Yeah. It's a win. See, I grew up having great coaches and I'm putting a butt here, but the thing that I must have either forgotten or didn't understand, they would always tell me to reach high and swing deep. Great advice. The issue was like I didn't really learn or adopt the proper way to do it. So, like, I would always hit at my highest point, which would mean that the ball would be, like, here. And, like, sorry. And the ball would be really high above my shoulder. But, like, where are my eyes, right? So maybe the only thing I could see as I'm hitting is the block in my peripheral. But, like, Honestly, there's not a ton of vision because you're looking up at the ball, right? But if you just move that like six inches forward, at least, yeah, maybe your contact point isn't higher, but you have more options and you can you have more vision.
0: Yeah, and there's so many. Think about all the things that come into play when someone tells you to reach high and and and. And not negotiate the how, right? Like, there's also follow through, right? You're reaching high. What's the first thing you do when you're when you when um you're reaching high? You don't follow through. It's the same way you do, right? You stop your swing, and what happens when players stop their swing? The ball luff balloons, so you're you're going deep, all right?
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm a I'm a big fundamental coach guy. I've worked with some of the best coaches, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and uh so. Maybe what I do now isn't what I coach because this information is only information that I've gotten the last three years. So I'm trying to change 15 years of habits, right? With new information and adopting it into my game without actually having it coached to me, which is interesting. So it's a work in progress. But if we're talking about hitting high deep, right? There's a reason why my arm swing technique is the way it is and it's because of that right so i'm using my double arm lift but from here i go here and then swing right so if you think about it i'm not really getting that elbow back getting my upper body open right it's all like pec lat shoulder Hmm. like here right Right. yeah there might be like some like rotation a little bit yeah yeah but my hips aren't involved i'll help your shoulder yeah (laughs) yeah heck yeah like i'm i'm lucky i got good genes i've trained hard whatever like my shoulder's good but like other people who don't do that stuff and they're hitting like that shoulder pain for sure gone yeah Yeah. so in in a year (laughs) probably Yeah. yeah so that's why like even now i'm trying to just work on getting that like different draw you know get my elbow back and my chest open right even on the right side right even that ball's coming over my shoulder whatever like open up so i can have maybe that line swing wrist away back to the line if they dive a four on me right or just more power because i can have my body into it so just some things i'm working on right now
0: yeah i i certainly appreciate that i lj luciano on facebook says getting technical today <laughs> I'm, like, our dude, I'm like the
1: most yeah I, I break it down you know just well, had great coaches some
0: of the things i use as a teaching tool to get to where you are right now because i coach i've i coach and i'm coaching have coached and i'm coaching on all levels juniors um club actually my whole club been in California. The extent of my coaching club experience has been all here because in in New York. No, because in New York the real coaches are actually the high school coaches. They they become assistants to teachers or whatever. And and the weird thing that is so weird because yeah (laughs) that's it's the opposite. Like Sacom High School, like some of these these schools in Long Island. I was at Hunter High School. Um you know some great coaches there, Mike Salek, Justin Stack. But what I used to teach my kids is have a visualization first, right? Let's say they wanna hit cross court. I'm like, literally before the play, look at that spot on the court, right? So now you see the spot on the court. Um, and when you jump, if it's there, take it. And then if it's not, now you're scanning. Now you're scanning the split seam, now you're spawning the seam and maybe just out right line. But, and it's because people on the court move all the time, but does the spot stay the same? The answer is yes. So for, as a junior's teaching tool, to get to where you are, where you're just making in-air decisions and letting your your um, not just your natural talent, but your your reach and your volleyball and IQ. Go ahead.
1: Your court sense. Yes, your court, court sense. sense. Because yeah. now I don't have to look at it because I've got because you've looked at it so many times thousands of looks. thousands of reps. Yeah, that I know where it is based on where I am and yeah. where where I hit the ball.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I only brought that up because the people listening they. they they might they have they may have no idea what what level we're talking about as far as these teaching tools are concerned. Yeah, well, I've been playing since I'm
1: twelve and I'm thirty one. Yeah, and I've been playing at a very high level my whole life. So, yeah, uh, maybe not on paper right now. AVP, i P. I'm like top ten, but in my mind. No, but I'm... and for you. No, but and for you.
0: I say good for you. I'm, yeah, we're talking well, about what other people uh, can learn from from you that they may or may not be ready for. Right. Right. Do you want a junior? Do you want a junior learning what you're what you're knowing now? Knowing it. Yes. There's
1: steps. There's steps because uh, I've learned because I've coached for over ten years as well. um, I've learned that there's progressions. Some information you can give them and is better actually to start them off. Like for indoor, I love angle passing even from a young age. But there's some things like hitting and stuff that they just maybe aren't strong enough because they're so young and like aren't coordinated enough to actually be able to go through the motion in a controlled setting and that's right. fine so you have to try to adapt and figure out ways to still you know protect their shoulder and get them to hit the ball where you want it to go
0: you coached for 10 years what, did you least. would you start coaching at six or something
1: <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> i know i know i look young but yeah <laughs>
0: i've been
1: coaching for a while
0: yeah me too uh, someone asked me how long you've been coaching i went like this
1: I don't even count anymore. (laughs) I just went, I just went, and they just
0: go, oh, that long. I just went, (laughs) (laughs) that look like, like you've been in this, this, this like corporation and, and that, that little, that little, that little promotion you've been waiting for, for like 10 years. And it's like, how long you worked here? They're just like, oh, okay. Got it. No, I, I, um, I definitely appreciate that. And I appreciate um and i totally lost my train of thought because i was just having
1: i was just having a good You're time talking talking about shit. steps and coaching and young players able to receive and apply yes feedback.
0: yes yeah. a, a little caveat like you see players that look like they're not strong enough right but then you see players who are skinny as hell who are hitting the ball hard too which makes you re-examine technique versus strength and conditioning not versus because they shouldn't be oppositional they're more like kissing cousins right
1: I don't yeah. know what you mean by that.
0: Meaning they should go together. It's not like you're choosing. It's not a false. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know about that statement. but It's not yeah, a false I think, dichotomy. It's, I think, uh, they, they're, they're binary. I think in other they words. can work in uh, cooperation with one another. I think that he's uh, like still trying to get over this kissing cousins thing. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Me, uh, <laughs> you're going, dude, you're going to Texas. You need, you need to educate <laughs>
0: yourself, boy. I'm
1: going to Austin. It's a oh, it's Austin, really yeah. little asterisk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, anyway, so, yeah, I think um, a strong training background can work well with technique work.
0: Yeah. Who, are, um, who do you usually train with in Austin?
1: bunch of people. Gary Denny is the first person who usually uh, figures out a place to host me when I'm out there. So, super cool. But we get out with Jarrell, Rafa. Um, I love Rafa. Taylor Hughes. Like, we're just... I mean, Bobby Jones, like just the whole Austin community, you know, whoever's down to get out and get better have some fun.
0: You yeah, had me at Bobby Jones. He's so cool. Bobby, mm-hmm. I met in New York. He was a model. Um, he was modeling in New York and I met him and um, came to Central Park and I had karaoke night in the building that he had an apartment above. So he just came downstairs to see what all the noise is about and it's like, What are you doing here? I'm like, dude, I sing. That's what I do. And he's like, All right, I'm gonna sign. He signed up for the Humpty Dance, or whatever. Yeah, so. he probably danced. Yeah. yeah. but <laughs> Talk about a guy who found his mission statement and what he wants to do with his his life and how he can do it doing something that he loves and knows and
1: like Project Serve. Yeah, I love it. I'm the domain. I was actually literally Doesn't that make you emotional that shirt? <laughs> I was wearing the yeah. Project Serve shirt. I love it. Honestly. The best fitting shirt that I own, it's like a large, but like just fits me perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I wear I'm, it all the time.
0: I'm doing a documentary called Club Coach and he was one of my, he was my stop in Austin. Sick. I, I, I visited 13 different cities and he was, um, yeah. I also went to Denver. You were, were you the IVP in Denver?
1: No, I was in Europe. Oh, you were in Europe? U.S. Goodwill Military Tour. Wow. Yeah. With Ty Trambley, Brittany Teagues and Ali Denny. That was awesome.
0: It has to be.
1: Do you know anything about it?
0: Yes. I'm ex-military. Oh. Perfect. I played in the all-army team. I tried out for that team. They flew me to Fort Benjamin Harris in a little 22-day training camp, and I made that team. So Sick. Yeah, Let's go. Well, they, they found, first, well, first, military communities in Germany, where all the bases are, have a great conglomerate of volleyball players, mo- predominantly guys from Samoa, uh um filipinos uh um guam that's the biggest guamanians i've ever seen in the, in the short stricken country and you know i ended up playing for a team called darmstadt and then i then that's how the army scouted me and then from there that's how a german team scouted me so i ended up playing indoor but i i love it i love did you get did you get to play any of the, any any of those teams did you get to play the air force team or did you get to play the army team or
1: great question uh we only went to I shouldn't say only. We primarily went to (laughs) Army bases. Okay. So uh, at each base, uh, the first half of the day was usually spent touring the base, learning about what they did, Uh uh, meeting the troops, and just going around bringing good vibes and recruiting people to come out to our volleyball sessions in the afternoon and evening. Nice. It was great. got to do a bunch of cool things. Yeah. A
0: bunch of guys in shape that want to learn how to play. You'd be surprised how fast they catch on. Oh
1: yeah. And they're just pumped with testosterone, ready to like talk smack and beat down. And (laughs) who's got balls. We're (laughs) going to beat the pros. They always say that. And it's hilarious. So it's fun. So yeah, the second half of the day, we would start with like a little bit of a clinic kind of just to get the foundation. Cause each base probably had like one or two people that were actually like good at volleyball but everyone else couldn't even get three ball three touches and get the ball over the net. So for the one or two people that were actually good, they're like, this isn't even fun. I don't want to do it. So, (laughs) so for me as a coach, I was like, let's try to get these people so that they can at least, you know, get three contacts. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's enjoyable, decently enjoyable for these troops who are good. So um yeah anyway so we did clinics and then always ended up with playing with the pros or against the pros sometimes we'd be mixed in with them sometimes we'd play like four on six um man the most ridiculous story so we're at this one base it was really cool because they hyped it up like they like barbecues and everything or live music was it for benny was it georgia no we were no. we were in poland
0: Oh, and, okay, no, no, yeah, no, okay. So we went to gotcha.
1: Poland, Romania, and Kosovar. I believe is how it's pronounced, but it's spelled Kosovo. Kosov- yeah, Kosovar. Yeah. So I believe it was at a Polish base. It was one of the earlier ones that we went to. And they like did a great job of hyping it up. They had, I, I want to say, like two courts with well over 60 people. It, we had, like, too many people. It was amazing. So, you're
0: like, how many coaches
1: are there again? <laughs> right. It was perfect, though, honestly. Right. Um, so, at the end, it was pros versus Joe's and four versus six. And this man comes up to me, he's, uh, six, eight from Jamaica. He comes up, he's like, hey, is it cool if I play on your guys' team? And I'm like, I'm down, but I'm gonna check with those guys to see if they're down.
0: Yeah, because
1: right? cause you know how
0: volleyball players <laughs> are. <laughs> yeah, so. No,
1: because in our mind, everyone
0: says they can play.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, but go ahead. Yeah, and I've never <clears> seen <throat> this guy play. He's no. wearing like, pants and like yeah. not warmed up at all. And so I go over to the tallest guy on the other team. He's a six, seven basketball player. And I was like, hey, man, like, I want to say his name's Julian, wants to, to play with us on our team are you guys okay with that? (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. like, sweet. First play. They serve us. I set this ball 50-50. He's playing on the right side. Turns out, this guy's a lefty. (laughs) And just OT bounces it, five foot line. First play of the game. (laughs) We lost it. We, I was like airplaning around the court, like, oh my gosh, it was. Did you say his name was Julian? I want to say his name was Julian. It's It's been a while, no, because yeah. there
0: was someone on our national team named Julian.
1: Well, he's actually a soccer player, yeah.
0: <laughs> they played, um, I don't know if he played opposite, and I sure as hell I don't know if he's lefty, but how much of a coincidence would that have been, right? Right, so yeah, <laughs> <You'll> never know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, after that, I was like, man, uh, hey, I'm trying to make move to defender when you're done, you know, hit me up, yeah, let's go yeah that's yeah, hilarious um yeah so that, our job was honestly like bringing the good volley and the good vibes and i thought that we executed that job damn well i think
0: the combination of people who, who were employed for this mission were qualified to put it the best way i know how i'm trying not to talk all slang i i'm yeah, trying not well, to make I, any references no, no, you don't that's understand fair anymore. but i mean look at the, but ty when Trambley, you have ty Trambley, yeah. you have teagues they have you guys the you guys and are Allie, the yeah you oh, Allie, and you guys are the most perfectly qualified people for that particular mission
1: yeah yeah there's no
0: one there's i can't think of anyone better
1: that's a, yeah there's no
0: one better. <laughs> it was a blast. We have
1: so many inside jokes from that trip. It's absurd. And the the people who hosted us and the guys like Brian who took us around, like it's just, it was an incredible experience. Highly recommended to anyone. Uh, not only uh, do you get to make some money doing it, but it's like so rewarding. You know, like literally going over to Europe on like the border countries of Ukraine and literally just going to hype people up like yes. morale boosting like, There we go. and they're the guys that need it. And they're the guys like right there. It's nuts. So yeah. like, you know, you just feel great. Cause you're like, dude, these guys were just, you walk into the rec room and they're just kind of like doing their thing or playing video games. You go in like, yo, you guys want to play some volume? And are like, Oh, I don't know, dude. I'm too cool. And then you're like, just come out. You'll be, you'll, you'll be fine. And then you come out and they just have a blast every time they're like, Oh my God, I had so much fun. Like, I'm so glad I did it.
0: The three things that make the best soldier. This is, um, oh, am I qualified? Yeah, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> check the hardware behind you, I served, okay? As, as did every mem- uh, male member of my family. So the three things that make a good soldier, one, you have to have an escapism. You check that box, all right? You have to have these moments of, where you can see a humorous side to the most dire of circumstances, it's why when you watch Band of Brothers and like all the bombs were blowing up, they're, they're, they were laughing because it looked like the 4th of July. And they're just like, you know, you, you see like, you know, like th- this, the rocket's red glare or a whole thing. And, and you're like wowed by it. And then, then you hear medic and then you're back into reality. And the third thing I did, one, two, accept, accept your fate. Like if you're in a situation, don't worry you can't be out there worrying about the worst case scenario because you worrying about the worst case scenario, and it increases the chances of happening, and it also increases the chance, chances of happening to somebody else. You're supposed to be, you doing your job supposed to be consequential to what happens to them too. So, ac- accepting your fate because fate doesn't really mean anything when you think about it. <laughs>
1: um, go ahead. I think that's a solid argument. I don't agree with it. Sure. And here's a corny reference to why. Mm-hmm. Do you are you familiar with Dwayne Johnson, the actor? Yeah, yeah, The Rock. For those of you guys who don't know, well,
0: all the way back from University of Miami, yeah, he won a national
1: championship there for football. So he did a movie when I was growing up called <clears throat> Scorpion King. Have you seen it? Yep. So there's one scene. That I'm I love. here for the girl in your head. <laughs> go, go on, Ian. <laughs> it's it's a it's a terribly great movie, and in it, it was his fate to to not do something or else if he did it, he would die. Right. Some, some witch could see the future. And she tells him, she's like, Hey, like this is going to happen. And then like the girl that loves him, no, don't go, don't go. You're going to die. He's like, I make my own fate. Right. And that stuck with me since I ever saw that. Yeah.
0: I, Agree with that to an extent that your fate should never determine what your goals are. Like if your if your goal is to win a tournament, no. If your expectation is to win a tournament, really, your goal is just is just doing your job and taking care of things, right? So, goal goal and expectations are two different things. Accepting you're you're already dead in, in a World War II situation makes you perform better as a
1: soldier. I would agree with that a hundred percent. That is a yeah beautiful. City. But I like what you said,
0: like. You can't look. Our whole lives, we have friends and people we don't know where people are telling you're never going to amount to anything. So I get what you're saying. We, you coach ten years, and I'm guessing the a lot of that is juniors because there's no way in hell so the you know, a, a a guy who's who's whose baby faces you they're just going to give a <laughs> professional a college job to. So I'm sure you are the type of coach that probably looked a kid in the eye and said, "Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do." And I don't know how we stumbled on it at this, but I'm glad we did because <laughs> this, is, this bears repeating. This bears parroting and echoing that sentiment because there are too many coaches out there that line up these kids against the wall. Okay, you're tall. You're going to do this. You're, um, you want to be an outside hitter, forget it. You know, whatever and this and that. And that's not... I'm with you. And this is where I got to disagree with myself if that's where we were going uh, as far as cross-reference is concerned. If a kid's 5'9", an outside hitter's a 5'11 or 6 feet... I will tell them you're undersized for the position. But if this is what you really want, if you want this bad enough, those are those are those are the bleacher stairs. That's the box. (laughs) You know, let's get to work. Find ways (laughs) to score. Let's get to work because when you think about it, at the end of the day, the people who win bet player of the year or tournament MVPs are not are not the people who fit the stereotype of that position. No, look no further than the guy
1: you played with, right? We didn't even make MPSF and he got player of the year at six feet.
0: Well, that's some good old boy there, but I think he probably deserved it. You know,
1: it was like watching a man play amongst kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he was. um, That was that was I watched a little bit of that and it looked like he could do no wrong. It was fun. Yeah. He's the dirty white boy. He's the original dirty white boy. he's, he's awesome. You don't know what that means either, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah but um
1: for my time yeah <laughs> a
0: foreigner <laughs> Well, I'll tell that story about Taylor later, but but I, I think it's uh, as a caveat that we can't emphasize enough like coaches out there because you know we're having this conversation but we also have people listening to. don't don't be out there telling kids what they can and can't do. Be real with them. you can you can show them their reality what they look like, whether they're the person who the position, you know, what coaches are looking for with what they what they think that person's supposed to look like, but don't just tell them it's unfair. <laughs> but don't tell them it's not doable. Tell them it's more difficult, it's going to be more difficult. But don't tell them it's not doable. Tell them they got to run 150 meters for that 100 meter dash. But don't tell them they can't do it. And and I got I got to In that respect, and in, and, and in connection to this, that ridiculously bad but so good movie, The Scorpion King. I'm with you, I'm with Ian. <laughs> I'm with Ian Satterfield, nice. Now, I talked about some of the things you did well. Or we, we, did, we talked, sorry, we discussed some of the things that you, you shown exponential growth in as a player and um, on and off the court and I appreciate that. Now, talk to me about some things, one or two things that you wanna do a little bit better Coming into November, December, as you as you as you start to play international man of mystery again and travel around.
1: For sure. For sure. One thing is blocking. Right. That is my job. So I need to get more blocks. I think everyone can say that.
0: Dude, I did blocking. I was was coaching. Um, I'm coaching some adults and that's all I did the last two days. I even practiced on a lower net just so we could get more reps. But I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: You're good. You're good. Mm -hmm. So going back to what we touched on earlier, as far as like getting things done versus technique, I've noticed that over my career, I've adopted certain habits biomechanically blocking. So I feel like my technique blocking habitually is more traditional technique where my hands are outside i'm coming wide and then i'm finishing somewhere to where i think that ball's going to go mm-hmm. right the issue with that is if that ball is not where i want it to go now my arms are straight and to move right it takes more time and energy versus having more kind of relaxed bent arms and now you can react more Right. Another downside to that is if your hands aren't in front of your face early enough, <laughs> guess what happens? Go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You, you end up on someone else's Instagram. Yeah. Your third <laughs> hand comes into play. Yeah. So uh, I don't like it when that happens to me. So I'm working on figuring out ways to protect my face and score more points. So mm. mostly stopping this like super wide butterfly stroke, like block and trying to just more, keep my hands in front and then press into where I think the ball is going. So it's a crazy process because right. like, I know what I want to do, but physically doing it and having that mind body connection and actually adopting it and getting mm. over 19 years of bad habits or old habits it's it's a work in progress so that's something that uh in my opinion once I get down um, is going to score a lot more points and get a lot more momentum for whoever is on my side of the net um, and I think that'll be huge when I go start playing these guys overseas
0: the simplest thing I've I've learned about blocking when I played in Germany was um my coach always just said ball hitter ball so ball, you see where the ball's being set and you see the hitter. And once you see where the hitter is, once you see the player, and this is indoor, which translated very well to beach. This is why a lot of these indoor guys who go to the beach have um, not immediate success, but they, they're, it's, they're a step further than, in that process than the other things. Ball, hitter, ball. The ball goes up, you see the hitter, and once you see the hitter, ball. Because hitter body language is what gets you in trouble in blocking. Hitter bo- When you're done. I'm, your I'm still your straight. Question. I'm not gay. Oh, you have a, Oh, another question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have not been able to fluster this guy. He's been. This guy is ready for me. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, we've been no, friends. No, We've been friends for some time. We so, have.
0: <laughs> I get you. My nah, respect. Go ahead. Uh,
1: <laughs> What's your question? But I am a little flustered because the question, I forgot it now.
0: No, you have a question about blocking, about ball, hitter, ball. And yes, I gotten the hitter body language. We're
1: back. Nice. Thank you. Is there something after ball for you and the people who coached you or that you coach?
0: Yes, um, Videotape, scouting the hitter. knowing, knowing, knowing a hitters' tendencies, um, knowing when to play chess, uh, you know, and knowing when to play checkers. But if you're ball hitter ball, your discipline and your responsibility, and discipline and responsibility is 10 times more important on the beach. Yeah, right. Then indoor, indoor you get you do have help from the middle. You got an army of guys back there playing defense. You don't have wind, uh, um,
1: sun, rain.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Uh, those aren't even lurking variables. Those are the uh, those are well, like you obvious have to be more variables. Yeah, because so,
1: if you're not, you can't get that ball a certain spot. But indoor, you yeah. don't have those elements. So, for
0: example, what I've learned and what I teach and will give su- some success against a base one block. If the hitter's like one of those guys that likes to open up this way, where their their shoulders here. Right hand in his face. Ah, my thing just unplugged, but you can still hear me. Right hand in his face. The further the ball is away from the net, the more the left hand presses over so he doesn't shave your armpits. And the tighter it is, the more both hands come together after the ball. So that's just part of the scouting report that supplement, um, or depending on the level of play, in- instrumental. I think that's great. To ball hitter ball. That's just yeah. an example. I mean, two ball or whatever. I could I, I could teach technique and this and that and every. But um, my first job as a coach, an NCAA coach, I was a blocking coach. It's they're like, dude, this guy played in Europe and and back, back then I was two hundred sixty pounds. They're like, how's this? What? How's this fat guy? And and my New Yorkers who followed us, they're gonna be they're laughing right now because they've all been in that situation. How do they get blocked by this barrel-bodied, skinny arm? chubby dude man yeah so but that's that's it ball you'll be surprised it's and it's a practice technique that works in a game this is why you see a lot of coaches um hold the ball up and have people jump and grab and pull the ball back you know usa team is doing that in hermosa beach and i i personally saw them start doing it after they saw me because i'm two i'm two courts away every um, every morning and i'm like oh cool <laughs> original jose <laughs> no but jose loyola God bless that man so because he's a winner. He, the guy has a winner's mentality so what he lacked in coaching ability he made up in just being a freaking winner. Um, it's a great teaching tool that translates into the court where you're like the people watching you you don't know because you're in the game you're just getting blocks and you're just doing Ian Satterfield things but the people watching you are like dude I so saw him at practice to doing some stuff. I want to learn that. I want to I learn need that. Some ridiculous so stuff yeah, today. it's it's yeah. so two things I would take you could take with you. For me as a coach, um, and in many ways I'm qualified, in many ways I'm not, because I don't um know you and your tendencies and this and that, but as a general way, I go ball hitter ball and a lot of those drills where they're just where you're reaching this way, it gets rid of this because to grab it, you can do this, but what happens when you come down? You you are you're, you're hitting the ball's hitting the tape or you're hitting the tape on the way down. So this boom boom snatch it up. Probably flies behind your head if you don't know, grip it wide enough. But but it's a great teaching tool. And I've been I've been teaching that and it's helped it's helped people significantly. It's helped Earl, because Earl's always been one of those guys that can jump high, but yeah. was but wasn't getting blocks. Right? Um Kevin, he's got like T Rex arms. Kevin McCulloch, he's got like arms like a T-Rex. You know, so, and we, we worked out some things, even though I, that, that time I learned more from him because <laughs> when I, I moved here in 2016, I had to learn, I had to look, I'm in the beach. I got to learn from some people. So he invited me to Tamekala and him and Rafu, two hour training session and played a little King at the end. You know, nice. Rob McLean, Rob McLean I came, do. Rob McLean came and, and finished 3-0 and on King. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to air people's wow. laundry because these games are supposed to be secret, but it's six
1: years later, so I could I could, bre- I could spill the beans. So that's why they're playing so well on the AVP events. They're yeah. pissed.
0: Yes. <laughs> we can't let this guy with the ponytail from Long Island, an Afro ponytail. I got to show you the video. Actually, it's a I did highlights on YouTube. He would get an ace, and I'm like, oh, cool serve. Boom, second serve. Ooh, that had some movement on it. Whoom, third, four. Uh, the guy got like five aces out of seven serves. Wow. And and I was like, wow, I can actually win one game. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's a very good passing team too. Yeah. to score on. Yeah,
0: that, that's a team that, they they um I think in Manhattan Beach they lost the first round but they won four straight contenders bracket matches.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. I played them in Seattle when they They beat, beat them. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <So laughs> Wait, you I were there the playing ra- games. was the round to get in. Yeah, oh. and we tried every serve and could not get them out of system.
0: Right. And what do you do? Do you just do you just do you just cut your losses and try to block the person that that has the least amount of reach? Try to do
1: something you're not doing already because what you're doing is not working.
0: No, Nah. I mean, for those two, I don't. Anyone that beats them's just the better team because they don't. There's no. I don't see too many angles against Rafa. He's so experienced. He's so experienced, Ian. You know. So, speaking of experience, you're traveling. You're going to the Caymans? All right. Say hi to my say hi to my bank teller. <laughs> <laughs> flirting after seeing after checking my account. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't want to be saying that on YouTube. <laughs> LOL to the bank <laughs> checking my account. Oh my bank teller flirting after checking my account. <laughs> um, you've been to Lima. I have been to Lima. Was at the Pan Am Games.
1: Yep, 2019.
0: And your partner is the real international man of mystery. Say it with me. Mark, Mark. Burick.
1: <laughs> Guy's everywhere. I don't even know where he is right now. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. He could be upstairs
0: with, with the parents right oh now outside God. of the studio. Talk to me about, uh, let's just be, be a little nostalgic. Talk about some of the fun things that you you land in Lima. It's this place where, there's a whole, where you're just big man amongst tiny people. Right. Because in mostly Beach, like a bunch of Ian fields, y'all almost the same height. Right. But you're in this place that loves volleyball, by the way. Lima is big on volleyball, dude. they? I remember when I went there, they beat Cuba <laughs> uh, three wow. sets to two. So so talk to me about being in Lima uh, for the Pan Am Games. Talk about some of you know, it could be boring stuff too. talk about some churches, <laughs> talk about some artifacts I was there for uh, Peru. I was in Peru for 11 days, but I, I want to talk about you. Now I want to talk about me. I want to talk about you.
1: Yeah. So I think <clears throat> most people might be interested in what happens in the village. Right? Like for me, I always thought that the Olympic village was such a cool concept. You get to go mingle with the best athletes from yeah, their countries. No doubt. Whoa. So we weren't sectioned off into like a little volleyball corner. In fact, they had a brand new campus that they had just built for the Pan American games. And it was a bunch of like high rise living spaces. And so we shared a suite with the, I believe the rugby sevens team who I think they took third, bunch of cool dudes. They're stuck rugby. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, I flew on some of the flights with them, all homies. Um, but yeah, so that's like one of the cool things, right? Like you're literally like with these other athletes that are super cool, who are doing the same thing you're doing, uh, you're in the village, you have dining hall 24 hours a day, you have laundry service, you have physios who, you know, if you have something going on with your body, they're tending to you. And while you're getting worked on with physios, you're just meeting more athletes and, It's just such a rad experience. And then you have uh, these pins, you know. uh, So we were sponsored by Nike both times I went to the Pan Am Games. And so we got a Nike package and free Oakley's, everything Team USA. I mean, like unreal, dude, unreal. On top of what USA Beach gave us, right? Like, so fortunate, so grateful. But anyway, so you get these things and you also get these pins. And the pins are hot commodities in the village, right? Tell so you, me why. So each country only has like a certain amount of pins that each athlete gets. And some people have really cool pins. So it's almost like, you know, when you're a kid, you got trading cards, that kind of stuff. Same concept. So you want to get like the coolest pins and stuff. You're like, oh, I got this Brazil pin. You know, I got Cuba, you know, all this kind of stuff. So yeah. you And then, you know, you could just be walking and you see like, a tall basketball player from like Argentina, you're like, yo, oh, do you have a pin? You have a pin? You know, like, oh no, USA. Okay. And they don't even speak English and you're just like trading pins and like hitting it off. Like it's so cool. It's just like gorgeous women everywhere because they're just prime athletes. It's ridiculous. So anyway, I digress, but the athletes village, super cool. And then they take you to the venue. Uh, you get shuttled and you're on the bus Oftentimes with your opponents, which is kind of funny because you're going to the matches together and stuff. Um, But, yeah, they have these, like, stands that they build. You're on TV. Uh, Both times our first matches were on ESPN, 2-0 on ESPN. Uh, And let's go. Needed to have more of those, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Let's get volleyball back on ESPN. So, uh, yeah, you play in these stadiums sold out most of the time. Depends on, I think – I can't remember how much Peru was, but Toronto in 2015, I f- feel like was a 5,000 person crowd sold out the whole time, like just rowdy, good weather in the summer in Toronto is amazing. They're both amazing. So I think, you know, having the village, uh, that was like one of the coolest things to be a part of besides like, you know, obviously representing your country in the second biggest sporting event in the world. So
0: yeah, yeah Toronto also big on Chinese nine men too. They have a good team. I, I forgot the name of the team, and I've, I'm only I only keep bringing it up because I um I don't know. Like New York, New Jersey has like a big crew called Strangers, and when they brought it out to California, it was the first time they did it indoor because they usually do it in the parking lot somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in Chinatown, concrete, concrete hardtop. Oh yeah, I'm so, familiar with it. So yeah. they did, in 2016 they did it in American Sports Center.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I recall that. And Connex
0: yeah. Con- from San Francisco, um, I think played the team from uh, um, Toronto from the name escapes me but yeah Peru's Peru sounds like fun and just the fellowship and the attitude and, the and food yeah you been oh. to Lima
1: yeah man I mean so I don't know if you guys know this but from what I understand ceviche or ceviche is mm-hmm. from Peru right the stuff they have out there obviously the best i've ever had incredible and they have like this yellow kind of like curry sauce that they put on their like chicken and rice Jeez. it's not really curry but like who, who awesome. cares what it oh, is? it tastes good yeah the food out in lima oh, amazing do you ever have guinea pig heck no but mark did
0: mark is like i'll try anything once
1: mark and i have eaten a lot of really gross things uh i could not do the guinea pig yeah
0: i did the guinea pig um and i was just and like was i was just like just call it chicken, just call it chicken, just call it chicken,
1: call it chicken. Oh, <laughs> you know. Um, Scale one to ten, how was it? It
0: was normal. It wasn't bad or good. It was just, it was oh, like rabbit, it was like rabbit, five, I'll go five. five. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a Super fickle, mid. I'm Super still a fickle, <laughs> pink, picky New Yorker, right? So, no, yeah. but I was there um, for an academic trip with Duke University. There were some people that wanted to take a look at some artifacts. So we we, for 11 days, we hit up like six different cities in Peru. So we started with Lima, then we hit Cusco, then we hit uh, Puno, then of course, Machu Picchu was the, the big attraction there. And finished with Lake Titicaca. Tid- um, I hope I don't get flagged for this, man. No. Titicaca is a place. It's a city in Peru. So that? I'm not, I'm not trying to get flagged for no profane language and no nonsense. Lake Titicaca is this place where people build, they make their islands out of straw and they they build enough straw where it floats and then they build houses on top of these floating straw things and they continue to keep and to maintain their house they keep throwing straw so the only way to get food or whatever and you know there's a guy that rides a boat you know, sells so Oreo cookies and this and that. Oh it was just... Gosh. I'm t- I'm telling you, I went straight up deep country. <laughs> not like, look, Lima, like you said, there's the village and this and that. But I'm telling you, dude, I went straight up country. So I definitely at some point had, a, you know, that was included but not limited to, to at least trying guinea pig. But um, Machu Picchu was awesome, dude. Like, if you're not into... If it's not your thing to, like, look at rocks that are a thousand years old and and be delighted by that, you can still get something out of it because it's not just rocks. It's how um, something was built. It's about construction. Go ahead. You got it? It's about, oh, my God, you definitely got it. It's about, like, um, you can get a lot out out of it aesthetically instead of being like this historian and, and appreciating it for what it's really, wink, wink, supposed to be worth. So man i'm so glad you came prepared that bottle behind you is empty so there's nothing i could do there's a bottle
1: bottle over there and
0: that's as
1: a mark fornicari thing oh my gosh yeah i bring my uh, gown yeah. with me everywhere but yeah no i think also isn't it quite a hike to get to machu Picchu? so you know you can burn some calories doing that and you know the air is fresh yes you know living in LA we got so much air pollution that you, know, you go to Machu Picchu you get a little workout get to some to fresh air you know? <laughs> nice little day in Peru
0: felt like William Wallace climbing up that thing from Braveheart <laughs> just kind of you know trying to find the Highlanders who are ready who are ready to pick a fate pick a fate I'm That's here a to upset. pick I'm here to pick a fate
1: I'm I'm terrible at yeah. access well, didn't get all dressed Don't up didn't get all that. dressed up for nothing <laughs> <laughs> Sound like love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could do love if if
0: I listen to them long enough. Because my degree is in theater, so what they you take a year of voice and speech, and I ended up taking three just understanding language and uh, voice speech and practicum, which if if you learn enough, you know how to do how to tongue manipulation, and then if you listen enough and you imitate the sound, you can be that person. That's wild. I went to a whole party with an English accent. Everyone thought I was from England. I went to like this 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 party and and they had karaoke that a karaoke machine in this party in new york with and, an accent well no because the thing about british singers is their accent is american so did you sing
1: with an american accent of course
0: like phil collins in in the air tonight you don't think that's a brit singing that right you think that's uh, some schmuck from miami florida who did it for miami vice <laughs> you know the movie or the television show right Cause they're not, they're not like if you I uh, don't worry I'll think I'll never forget no I'll never they're like I'll never forget it was the first time the last time we ever met none of that sounds uh, um, UK <laughs> right, right yeah and yes yeah, so I learned different cities like Sheffield I learned um, you know Jama- I I got a pretty good Jamaican accent but and at some point I'll do it I'm just mad about my broken shades.
1: You got you got to put your hands in front of your face, dude. Yeah, I'm on a ladder.
0: No, because I'm doing hitting uh, blocking drills, and I got a block block to my face. It wasn't even hard.
1: You were blocking.
0: N- no, I I was teaching someone to block, and I was on a ladder on the on the step. Oh yeah, yeah. And I hit one, and they blocked, and it hit me, and it hit me back, and yeah. and these things. It wasn't even that hard a shot. These things usually take a beating, right. and. and that sucks. Jeff Samuel's. I got, my, Samuels. <laughs> I got these... my
1: Stafford goggles in the mail. <laughs> you do? <laughs> They're coming. They're coming. Good. But it, I got. Yeah. What do you like? What kind of shade? Do you like Oakleys or do I've you like Viper o- or? Worn Oakleys my whole career, but uh, I'm thinking about switching over to the goggles.
0: I have Vipers. I have these too. These are Revo's. These are awesome, dude. These are oh, these are awesome just you. for coaching. Yeah. No, I look at in every pair of shades. I'm oh, like. Shush. <laughs> I'm here to see Sarah Sarakana. I <laughs> oh, am a friend gosh. of hers. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> that was good. So let's um one of the other things I wanted to talk about, because it just hit my my desk yesterday, but the, the but the ceremony happened over the weekend. Carrie Walsh is in the International Volleyball Hall of Fame.
1: As she should. As she <laughs> should. Yeah. And
0: and in her and her class of 2022 has this I mean, we're we're going to focus more on her, but I want to mention Poppy. He's been playing with the Italian team since he was 17. Two bronze, two silvers, you know. Wanda begins Brazil twice. Couldn't beat him, right? I think um, 2004 lost in four, and I think in 2016 lost 3-0. I think it's weird to to track because if you look at like the last five, six Olympics, it's it's been Italy, Brazil, Russia. And sometimes the United States, yep. it's always been so the, and it's so isn't it crazy that you think, oh, they have the same kind of, kind of training the, you will not find the four level different levels of training to be more infinite <laughs> than those four people that are all pitting their, their their talent and their training together, which makes me just as us as players like the fanboy comes out, I'm interested who wins. So Kerry Walsh. I guess my uh, if there is a question. I always have this question about goat discussions, you know, like she, I have her in my top three greatest of all time. You know, you could shuffle some people, but I I think I'll go first. I like Carrie. I like Misty May. And those two can, depending on what mood I'm in, Carrie could be ahead of her and Carrie could be behind her. And it is what it is. But because I'm a little bit older and and if you ask the two of them, they will agree. First on my list is Jackie Silva. She's a Brazilian first openly gay player. She won the gold in the 2000, uh, the first Olympics, 1996 in Atlanta. But then, and they were a half, she was a half generation before those two, but, um, but those are my top three goats. But I know we're American, American people, but is there, there is, don't you have her in your top three goat, greatest of all time list?
1: Yeah. If I'm being completely honest, I only have a top two and it's them.
0: Yeah. Well, as far as teams are concerned, there's only one. Right, right. <laughs> there's only one team that matters. <laughs> the team that did it and, and didn't even make it look close, you know? I mean, April, the way her and Alex finished uh, playing their volleyball at the right time, they made it look embarrassingly askew too, allows April to enter that conversation too. But at the end of the day, because I've been doing this for a long time, and because you're... you're you 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 have more experience in volleyball than a lot of people who have been coaching it because you came out of the womb, <laughs> right? You, you, you grew up in a volleyball culture. You went to MiraCosta High School. You went to Long Beach State University. So like you said, <laughs> when you said you were coaching for 10 years, I'm like, man, I call bull- in 10 years. But um, I got carry in my top, top three um, teams. <laughs> There's nobody. There's nobody else. So went to Stanford, right? She went to Stanford University, broke all kinds of records there. People forget um, she has a fifth Olympics. She played indoor um, in the Olympics in 2000 in Australia. She was was in that Olympics. So people forget she already had five Olympics. So she wasn't going for a fifth one. She's going for a sixth. Growing up and watching her play, I want you to say one or two nice things about, about her. Um, I, I don't need to force your hand, really. It's but easier, I, dude, I want yeah. you to voluntarily, voluntarily say one <laughs> <laughs> say one or two nice things about her that you thought uh, kind of helped you, if uh, kind of helped the sport. Satterfield, hold on, Mark Fornicari, Satterfield Gun Show today. Good dude. <laughs> yes. Just for you, Mark. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, her mentality as a blocker. I thought was great for our sport uh, to see how hungry she was at the net every time. Just just like pursuing the attacker like a hunter and prey.
0: Yeah, you felt comfortable with her because it wasn't just a technique thing. It was a ruthless aggression where if you beat her on the block, it, was, it seemed like it was personal yeah she she was blocking like like her kids like her kids were playing defense behind her <laughs> you know she ain't trying to get her kids hit that's right yeah so i like that and i i see you actually have some streaks like that too you know and and i think for carrie like you said well i think whatever gets you into that mentality is only gonna help you um if you guys share that same personality Because to some people, that's not sustainable for a whole tournament. She's a rare animal because that that kind of high, uh, where there's a high, right? Mm -hmm. Big waves crash. You know? Uh, Fallon Funil Moana. There's another MiraCosta girl, right? Uh, USC. So good. Fallon Funil Moana was one of the only girls I knew that could start emotionally high and stay there. And, and as coaches, we that's not what we teach our kids. We teach our kids small waves that you could ride from Manhattan Beach to Hermosa. Big waves, crash. Right? Big waves. Huntington
1: just crashing. crash. Crash, yes. Huntington,
0: <laughs> there you go. Crash. Um, but then understanding the animal. Because Fallon's, a con- we want to take her to the lab and we just want to dissect her and we want to experiment on her and we want to understand how, why that works for her. And... And I would, again, the reason why I don't tell everybody to be like Carrie is because I don't know if everybody has that same personality and that same mentality. And and they don't necessarily have to have that personality and mentality to enjoy a, a level of success, too. I'm just impressed that she found a way to be high, stay high, mm-hmm. and never crash. That's my take for her on from the neck up from the muscles on the neck up. It's like, you don't even know her, are you saying? And I'm like, this is what we do, Ian. Right? <laughs> how do yeah. I know? Just this is socking. what we do, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, everyone talks about scientific studies and, and um, biomechanics and how your body's supposed to work. But I will say this, there is no better me- there is no better scientist for volleyball than the coach. Why? Because we've been in the lab the whole time we've been in the lab and witnessed with our own two eyes, what works and what doesn't. I remember Dane Dane was on the podcast talking about, oh, don't want crap to our wall and see what sticks. I said, exactly. Yep. <laughs> you make it sound
1: unsavory, Dane. <laughs> exactly. You can, make, you can make it sound a little better. It's like spaghetti, yes. seeing if it's al dente. But yeah. <laughs> a re- regular, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw the mud on the wall. See if it sticks. There's my accent for you. <laughs>
0: I heard of my cousin uh, Vinny uh, flashback. That's why. Uh, He's that's like, what'd you have for breakfast? He's like, eggs and grits. <laughs> oh, I like grits. Do you like your, do you like your grits? Regular creamy or al dente. He's like, regular, I guess. He's <laughs> like, I don't know what the. Instant grits? <laughs> I could definitely do one of those. Funny how? How, how am I funny? What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean funny? You know, I, I could definitely do that. And so, yeah, I love, congratulations to Carrie. Congratulations to Bernardo long longtime Brazilian coach. He was with the women's team for a while. Moved on to the men. Won two gold with them, I think, two thousand four, two thousand sixteen. Um, Poppy, Italian team. Fernanda, long-time indoor player. Peter Murphy, don't really remember who he is, but he was. A te- I think he was a technical committee member of the Dutch Federation. He's an international guy. Um, and Peter June, first inductee in the Power Valley uh, category. Big up to him. Big up to Laurie Okamori doing some good things for Power Volley, stuff like that. Um, So I have a fun question. Hit me the, because you've been doing this for so long. I think you were you. No, you came in afterwards. But there's some people who that were in this long enough to see rule changes, uh, 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 like actual. You know, first hit being legal, right? Um, the introduction of the libero, uh, let's serve rule, right? It's allowed to hit the tape by rally. They had
1: like five yeah. different net rule changes when yeah. I was in college.
0: Those are the worst.
1: Bro, you can grab the bottom yeah. of the net, you can't touch the net, you can go under, you can't go under.
0: Yeah. Well, as fate would have it, right? The, the volleyball gods decided to go back to any part of the net, and I'm glad because it's you no shouldn't raider. have to get clipped.
1: <laughs> Why are you touching the net? I Not mean,
0: you got your guy, I got clipped. They're carrying them out on the stretcher, and the rest, like, I got bad news. Your player's out for the game. What's the good news? You got the call. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's One not what boy. you should. That's but that right. You we yeah. agree. That's not what you should be should should have to do to get the call.
1: <laughs> Player safety. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what's A lot of times when it's tight, I just I'm like yeah. yeah.
0: So let's start a, actually a 60 second countdown clock. Uh-oh.
1: Yeah. Uh oh. In the hot seat.
0: Let's see if it pops up. There it is. There's our 60 seconds. It's on the screen. All right. Give me one or two, two, two rules that you would like to see. Either change back or change
1: to.
0: The floor is yours.
1: Easy. Let serves. Treat them like tennis. Number two. Hand setting. If it has spin, it's a double. Unless it's top spin or back spin. If you take it below your chin and release it above your head, that's a carry. That's illegal. He says, I will allot
0: the rest of my time for Jason. <laughs> well, in light of the fact that I didn't even start the clock. That, I, dude, I fell on that That was one. a bonus one. That was a bonus was. one. So here's what I say. For me, all of the rules that I, I told you, let serve and all that stuff, all happened the same year, 2001. The introduction of libero, let's serve, um, rally, and all that stuff all happened the same year, so I I I don't like the libero position. I, I it's gotten it's gotten to this point where you just at the lower level you give it to it just because they're short and you feel sorry for them. I'm like you might as well just give them their own short bus for Christ's sakes, you know. I, I, if they're good enough, up let's up 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 the the substitution category from six division one to twelve like everywhere else and everywhere else outside of division one. The second thing I want I want. Referees to understand how to uh, educate new referees how the double hit works because I want to revisit that. And I had um, um, Ref Dave Carson on, on, on the podcast answering some tough questions this to me. Man. Dude, mm-hmm. to me, Doc Vandermeer and Jeff, the three of us, picked up the phone, stood tall and answered these questions. And he is the man He for, for doing that because most refs don't. Understand that a double is not how it comes out. Sorry, my time's up. Oh. <laughs> Understand how a double, it's, it's not how a double comes out. It's how a double comes in. Because Phil can have a ball go in one hand, out the other, and it doesn't spin. And by your criteria, that's not a double. But by the referee's that criteria, about it, that's a double. Because yeah, no one thinks about it that way. But point. if it's,
1: but okay. The way I had it explained to me this summer by a ref was that carries are determined by hand time on ball. My question, Or discontinuation, right? No, sorry. No, you're talking about what
0: the ref told you. Uh, so. No, go yeah, ahead.
1: This is just what a ref told me this summer at an uh, AVP event. Right. Um, I, the reason why I asked was I was doing pepper warm-up, right? And I set my partner, like, indoor open-hand tip. And I was like, well, you know, everyone's doing cut shots or pokies. I was like, is that legal? You're not allowed to advance the ball across the net with an open-hand tip are you allowed to just indoor to one hand set it one hand set it please oh my god hold on wait Audio, for all of you listening yeah yeah what is, look what you guys call think? call
0: I'm your gonna friends gonna, on this uh, podcast because we we I got it we got a I real wanna, answer for this one for <laughs> wait, wait wait let's yeah, sip
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> what the hell you just you you caught me by surprise because this is a question this is what I, guys this is what we paid our money for we got to get an answer to this
1: what
0: do you think? Oh. So you want to ask me what I think first, then, then get course, the answer?
1: Of course, of course. I, Did anyone My opinion. Say? Yeah, yeah.
0: My, it is my opinion that it should be legal. It is my reality that the rest have got together and made it illegal.
1: That would be a good guess. Did anyone have anything that they wanted mm, to?
0: No, I want us to talk I, about I, it I, long I, enough before so, someone got... Maybe no, Fornicari cool. might have something to say that's about cool, it. That's cool,
1: It's cool. So... What I was told, and this is only just one ref, this you know doesn't mean that this is the rule, but from yeah. what I understand, this is the information that I was given. So, again, it comes down to the carry call is hand time on ball. And if you're not advancing the ball across the net, then you're able to legally, if it's fast enough, one hand, open hand tip, set your partner, as long as the ball stays on your side.
0: And that's what I believe should be the rule. Yeah. I, I believe, look, I have a big secret for you. Like, remember the whole double, uh, uh, double hit, double contact being legal uh, for indoor? People were complaining, like, uh, overhead sets were never legal until then. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Overhead sets were legal, they were perfectly legal. You just weren't allowed to double them, and you weren't allowed to carry them. So before 2001, everyone thought, you, oh, it was forearms only. That is demonstrably false under the rules, under volleyball rules in pictures and under volleyball rules in videos that show you pictures. So the here's what happened. The refs got together and decided we're going to call something because in tournaments where players have to ref each other, we want to let them off the hook of having them make calls. CBVA. Redirect was illegal because CBVA most of the people that ref their games in their pool are each other So they wrote it in their rule book. We're not doing it. We did away with it. In fact um, They also wrote into their rules um, No, I didn't, didn't do that. But the point I was trying to make was your argument and his argument is legal but it's about what the referees are teaching each other, which is what we're, we've are we come full circle. We just Kanye West that. We just, we, we talked about something we thought had nothing to do with nothing and we came back full circle. Well, you're a freaking genius. And, and I guess I'm I from a kid from Brooklyn. But yeah, Ian, like something, you brought up two very important points. One, Side spin does suggest, might suggest, does suggest some, that it came in one hand and out the other. It might suggest a double. But the problem is the people catching the, and throwing the ball, they, they developed a technique that allows the ball not to spin. You, if you're a referee that's not watching how the ball's coming in and only how, watching the ball is coming out, you're not doing your job.
1: Yeah, I guess according to my definition, that would be a carry. Because if right. you are taking it in with your right hand and having it on your right hand long enough to release at the same time, physically, let's watch this. Uh-huh. Please. This is a carry. And, and if you look at the rule book from what I understand for FIVB events, yep. as of like four years ago, any sort of downward motion is a carry. So all these guys that were doing this, illegal set. Right.
0: Well, here's... The reality, outside of the rule. Yep. FIVB refs practice versus FIVB refs forgive this, but they don't forgive starting here, and then when the ball comes here, bringing it lower and back up. You know, spons. I'm sure sponsor might have had some issues in the beginning for the refs that didn't know her, or or some of the refs they know the player and they're like, I, I'm not messing with her because I'm not, I'm not trying to mess with the whole sport. You know, Um, very, very good point.
1: Excellent point. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Please. I've been called on a lot of sets by refs that have just never seen a set set like I did. And I have it on video.
0: Yeah.
1: Where it just comes out f- super clean. But, like, say it's, like, high tight coming into the past. High s- super spinny. And I'm just indoor just. There it spin. is. But they're like calling the whistle before I even touch it. Cause they're like, Oh, it's high spinning, it's going in the net. I'm like, Yeah. And and I'm taking it over my right shoulder. If I take that over my head, I can't get that. And now you're and now
0: you're the victim of a double down call.
1: And I'm like, dude, that's like the best set you could have ever never called. Like, you know, so anyway, I I got it all on film. But it's No, but you
0: go to the ref, you're like, all right,
1: I'm interested. What was the call? Right. And they say like a double or something. They don't they can't defend their call. I'm like, dude, it was according to your rules, it was high and quick and in even contact and there was no spin. So, what is the call? Why is that an illegal set? Because it was over my right shoulder? Like, just because it's not it's over a made my up head call. doesn't
0: mean it's illegal. It's a made up call just like indoor because I never indoor, seen indoor when freak people out. when people were good enough uh, the rare occasion someone's good enough to receive sir with their hands, they automatically call carry even though the person who set the ball survived the the criteria uh, of or, lim- or evaded the criteria of what was supposed to be called a, a double or a carry
1: yeah it's just classic argument of like pre- like how it is in practice versus how it is in theory like when it uh-huh. actually happens versus just like what it says in the rule book but
0: as i think as long as they stay to how it comes in and that's how it comes out. It's at least a start. And and if they could agree on that, they can go. And again, I'm glad your guy was able to talk to you about it in private. I'm glad um previous podcast, I almost got like 10,000 views because, because we called him. It was before Manhattan Beach and he was still setting up. And he picks up his phone and I'm like, hey, you're on the air because Doc, it was Doc Van. I'm going to blame everything on Doc Vandermeer because when in doubt, he's, 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 so, he's so cute. Not, you can't get mad at him. If it's my fault, <laughs> you want to cancel me. But him, you can't cancel Doc Vandermeer. So him, me and Jeff in this room, put him on, put him on speaker and he answered these really, really tough questions. And, you know, hope he does well. He's at University of New Hampshire. it has got their men's team out there. Oh, Dave, da, da, uh, w. Dave Carson. And we know him. Big, Always that big, that Tim Robbins-type smile from Shawshank Redemption. Like he knows something you don't. <laughs> but if you stay with him, you'll find out. <laughs> so, 60-second question. Give me three Run venues. Clock. You are on the clock again. Give me three venues that you um, enjoyed being at domestically
1: or the world. GOAT. Number one, Manhattan beach. Cause I'm from there and it's just the best, There's uh, the, in the stadium is incredible. The weather for the time of year for AVP is always the best. It's in August. And that's also like my birthday, uh, <laughs> super biased opinion. Number two, man, I loved playing in New Zealand at Mount Manganui, just having, you know, the beach courts right there. Just some mountain scenery it is awesome. New Zealand's incredible. Um, And another one outside of the U.S., it's tough. It's tough because I don't want to, like, put one over the other. Um, I played in the Australian Beach Tour Finals with Dave McKenzie. Uh, They had, like, a 5,000 crowd sold-out stadium that was super cool. I believe our matches are still up on YouTube, but uh, played a really good team and lost in the finals. Dave McKenzie ended up tearing his bicep in the quarterfinal match. I, I always get <laughs> so thrown off i go on these like long long stories no 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 this bicep
0: turn bicep you have to finish at least a sentence well the minutes out we can't
1: tell but in the, the debate people. you <laughs> get to finish even in a debate even no, in a presidential debate you get to finish i you know, gotta come back for part two uh maybe know, so, part three so anyway so yeah we're playing these hometown heroes these australian beach tour uh, champions. It won like three Australian tour events, right? Playing in, in the last match of day one, quarterfinal match, like evening match. All along the walls uh, were, this Australia at Manly Beach. Incredible. There's locals just lined up all along the wall, just heckling us and just like watching the match. Randy Stoklos just happened to be there because he was like doing a surf trip. Rolo Vincent! You know, and he's like just hopping into the event and doing commentary and stuff, like just cause he was around. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, and so he was watching our match and and uh, I wanna say is halfway through the second set, uh, there was a ball that the defender just absolutely waffled. Like spatched it so hard past me angle. He was doing your classic one defense in the seam he goes like this and it just nails him right here and after the play he was like this time this don't feel right and dave mckenzie mind you is one of the strongest volleyball players i've ever met if not the strongest
0: not to mention his high threshold for pain not to mention his high threshold for pain so
1: when he's like ah it kind of hurts that doesn't feel good i'm like well the guy hit the poop out of that ball so i would imagine it would hurt not knowing the damage that it did so we continued to play that match out and we went to three sets and we were down 14-8 against the hometown heroes and we came back and won 16-14 14-8 yeah randy stoklos left when we got to like 10-14 he was like you i I didn't think you guys would do it
0: no because to randy whoever reaches five (laughs) the third set wins
1: well yeah that was it that he said that even during the finals uh something like five or eight i don't i don't recall but i do know that everybody wrote us off except for us um and so we came back and went yeah i was float serving and their defender just for whatever reason couldn't side out until we won so yeah you know just had faith so anyway that is that's yeah. a hell of a story. 14-8? 14. <laughs>
0: yeah. Think of all the things that can go wrong. Yeah They serve it. They hit a ball, it hits the tape.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well they
0: that... hit a ball, it's long, you think it's long, it hits the line jumps. it hits yeah. like the bat. Think of all of the things that could have gone wrong. I'll put for it for them to... to get
1: that last point.: I'll put it to you this way. They all happened, but on their side of the net. <laughs> don't know
0: if randy was a jinx <laughs>
1: but randy you left and they won <laughs> yeah so yeah so anyways um he continued to play the rest of the tournament with a torn bicep so yeah the guy had a torn bicep we ended up going to three we won the first set in the finals and then i'm pretty sure i guessed out and he had a torn bicep so uh we couldn't really yeah, do yeah. a ton and they were playing great like all credit to them they they beat us outright but like i no, felt like we is... definitely had an opportunity to beat them if we closed them out in set 2 but
0: this is not, this is a high venue moment and that definitely required more than 60 seconds i'm glad you told that story dude. yeah yeah appreciate wow. it. you let me
1: continue that but yeah you know you're on australian tv and you know you got stadiums. but that's for beach
0: yeah i and i love me some randy dude randy actually did color commentary with me oh, that's awesome manhattan yeah. beach uh, last year Calls me up, said, Let's let's, um, let's you you do play, I do color, and we run it on your live stream on NY Varsity. Perfect. Me and uh, the that's guy, so cool. the guy that I'm usually the color commentator, but I'm like, I can't think of a better person to punt the analytical to. Right. Right. And everyone on my, my feed is like, No, seriously, that's Randy. That's not like someone you, because I pull tricks on people sometimes. They're like, That's really Randy, right? And I'm like, Yes, it's Rollo Vincent. <laughs> so, so, um, big up to him. And also, when we left, he's like, I know you're having some trouble getting some commentating gigs out here. Don't stop doing what you're doing. You have what it takes. This is you. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Because sometimes, sometimes you, you know, it gets a little
1: dark. That hour gets a little dark. And sometimes you, you have self-doubt and this and that. But um, 100% I said, I, dude. Yeah. It's kind of like that meme, right? With the miners, yeah. the two yeah. miners, the guy on top, the guy on the bottom. The guy yeah. on the bottom so close. He's just a little sliver away from the yeah. diamond that's on the other side.
0: Can you appreciate
1: but he turned around and started walking away while the guy on top continued and got the goal? Can you
0: appreciate why the people who do break through that are you you have such emotional investment? Like when Sco, um Skulls play with uh Urango. That was Atlanta, right? I believe so. Yeah. When she so. won. When Urango won. How many people do you think took that journey with her? How many people do you think that were like happy with happy for her?
1: So many. She,
0: she's not an extroverted person, but she did the last few tournaments allow herself to open up, and like wear a heart on her sleeve a little bit on the court and this and that. And that allowed some of the fans to follow her. So they see a second here, they see a second place finish there, and and I'm a cold fish, so I'm because I'm gonna look at something and I'm gonna see it for what it is. Okay, Urango. You know, she's all woman and she's respected, but, but silver medalist, runner up, (laughs) second best. And, but, but I took the journey with her at the same thing. I had Eric Baranek on the podcast, same thing. He was like, when she won, who can have been, who, who, who could have been more happier for her besides Eric than, 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 than guys like you, me, who, who, you, you know, you've seen her play, you've worked maybe at some point worked with against or whatever she's practiced she, with her yeah right she's one of our own that that got a chip you know what i'm saying and i feel for right that. you know yeah. she's
1: been so good for so long you know and that just goes back to your point you know she kept with it and mm-hmm. got the gold
0: yeah and i i hated to sound cold about that but i was like rick flair <laughs> woo runner up silver medalist
1: <laughs> second best not anymore gold series champ. Yeah, you could also look at never Trevor, which is now back to back to back Trevor.
0: Well, Trevor, (laughs) once you win one with Reed pretty, it was only a couple of years into the pro tour and and win and get your name etched on the boardwalk, which by the way, his own. uh, He's the only one on his family, right? Right? Taylor Taylor had his shot a year ago a year I've, before no, I no, witnessed no,
1: no. him front row when I was in the back it was right.
0: against Phil and Nick right he got the dig and and man his eyes got big and he hit it and there was no one within 15 feet playing defense against it and it went out and and, just like and there was a part about the you win. the energy left you because you're for like Phil win. saw that and like I gotta get serious and
1: win because <laughs> you didn't you in your heart of hearts thought that was it I thought it was it yeah. seal the deal and then yeah just just out oh it was it was hard to watch
0: yeah so but and here's trevor you know one with reed one with try it's um, awesome
1: i mean i went to school with both of them so i'm stark for both of them
0: yeah i just want to which
1: Try went to se do a little better so i can catch yeah. up <laughs> no
0: nah, no doubt hey well you're still young your volleyball peaks right now because you guys have uh, found a way to be immune to old age
1: I would you know, Sa- I, wouldn't like, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the new peak is that to you.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if the new peak is thirty six. I mean look at you. You you moved here and you got fifteen years younger. So true, dude. <laughs> so true i've always been in shape but i had a pitbull face but now <laughs> now i got this handsome drop dead gorgeous mug <laughs> and it's really hard to say in front of you because we both know mark burek and there's not a there's not a better clean chin than that guy oh my goodness <laughs>
1: <laughs> i can't even think of his facial hair because all i think of is his ridiculous mullet mohawk he had when we and then viking haircut <laughs> he had when we played and all i did was try to get him to cut it just yeah, never did it. Kind of like Rafi and his beard. Clean it up, dude. It doesn't work unless it's a fro.
0: <laughs> this thing right here is a. F- that's this is a fro. <laughs> it's a big fro too. It's batting it down. So let's finish up uh, with one more lightning round.
1: Uh, uh, one all, right, more. all right, I got to be better at these lightning rounds. I'm doing like a lightning storm right? Like, like Well, it, it gets warm. worse. It gets worse.
0: Because this one are just random questions and quick answers. All right, I got to do like five seconds or less. Let's trap yourself in. Ready? All right, so where's the clock? And there it is. So, lightning rounds. Best conditioned partner you ever played with? Miles Evans. The most angry pl- player you've ever played with? DR. The player you look forward to playing the most? Against?
1: Andy Banesh.
0: Your go to food? Quinoa. Freeze or no freeze?
1: No Freeze Freezer.
0: Freeze or Scoring Freeze And No Freeze
1: No Freeze
0: No Freeze Got you Lord of the Rings Or Harry Potter Lord of the Rings Shakespeare or Scorsese
1: mm, I don't really okay. NA n- n-
0: There you go Favorite comedian Dave Chappelle My man You my dude uh, Last good book
1: you've read uh, Right now I'm going through Bulletproof Diet By Dave
0: Asprey the easiest thing that translated from indoor to outdoor fundamentally hitting hitting the hardest thing transition setting there it is you did it (laughs) look last 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 (laughs) good book you read we knew had to take some time because we don't read
1: (laughs) yeah i was like well there's a few books but yeah talk to
0: me about your food again the food you like
1: yeah so that's actually a process i'm trying to figure out right now i usually just try to get like a decent amount of all my macros, whether it's protein, carbs and fats. And I try to get my fats through good fats, whether it's nuts and like uh, avocado, avocado, yeah. carry gold butter, um, MCT oils, uh, can- dark, dark chocolate. Yeah. I stay away from sugar, but yes, that is a great, uh, great choice. And yeah. there's also, uh, you know, brain benefits to eating dark chocolate as well as the antioxidants. But, um, again, I kind of stay away or, from sharing. Or
0: aphrodisiac
1: myth. You know? you know, there is that too. Maybe I should eat more chocolate, uh, dark chocolate. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. And then it's love
0: potion number nine. Girls start following you. Look yeah. Ahead.
1: Yeah. All right. Dark chocolate all over me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I also try to eat like fish, um, at least, I don't know, once a week, but like always wild caught never farmed yeah uh same thing i'll try to do red meat once a week a steak um, very important yeah uh again trying to do like farm to table grass-fed no hormones gmos all that kind of stuff uh, but yeah and then i'm i really gotta get better at my veggies uh so i'll eat like baked veggies and stuff but like drinks green drinks have been my go-to from different spots
0: right no, I was on a carnivore diet for two months just to try it out, and it was absolutely fun. My neuro- neurological addi- addiction got me back on pasta, whatever. And not, But the two months, I lost like eleven pounds. Wow! Um, my energy shot through the roof because, like, steak, um, salmon—you get your B twelve, you get your, especially salmon. Like one square of salmon is like six hundred units of vitamin D, not to mention omega three. Right. Not it's to mention so all these impressive. things. So, um, and I think. If I'm gonna be serious again and stop and get my stuff together, I'll probably just go carnivore again. I I talked to a bunch of people. I had someone on the podcast, Doctor Bart K, has six advanced medical degrees on you know epidemiology, but also general nutrition and exercise science. Uh, a Brit, British guy, lives in New Zealand now, but. And but he's making his money trolling vegans. That's what he does. He goes on YouTube and he takes these clips about um, vegans criticizing why meat is bad for you, and he freezes it. Wrong, wrong again. There is no study for that. <laughs> you know he's so he sure. was.
1: It's a very there's a podcast debate. you got yeah, to listen to, dude. A, yeah.
0: This oh my god, he is not he's he's not for everybody, but but um. Nah, I appreciate you taking care of the stuff off the court that maximizes your potential to be an athlete for you it's just about as long as you have that, the things that you're worried about mentally start to disintegrate because you're like, wait, I feel like I can do anything I want you know you ever come out of an MMA class you leave the class thinking like I could kick anybodys you you're next come here you know oh, so so it's very much uh, very much like my um I could choose a better description but but very much like that. The, f- the physical does help the mental some,
1: you know? For sure. And yeah. I, I am going to kind of quote Miles Evans here on that. Um, I thought that's a great point that you bring up. And he talks about when you're in a match, right? Say you have two equally matched teams. But physically, one team has been putting in the work and one team has not. Mm-hmm. Mentally, that team that's been putting in the physical work has a little bit of an edge above that team that doesn't put in as much work because whether it's in your conscious or your subconscious, it's in the back of their minds that, whoa, those guys are more jacked than me or like taller than me or jump higher than me. Right? So it's, it's in their head, whether they admit it or not, you can't hide it. It's how much attention do they give that? Right? But if this hypothetical situation mentally miles and i believe and i could be misquoting him but the team who puts in that work is going to have the mental advantage over the team that doesn't
0: yeah and you'll see it in these games um and i'll be more specific about the type of game Ian, ch- championships are not won by blowouts they're won by two-point victories right like you Absolutely. said everybody like, trained trained up to the gills it's 2020 and i don't mean john stossel i don't mean barbara walters i mean literally the score is 2020 and um yeah maybe someone hit that ball because they didn't have an ounce of doubt in that moment they didn't see 2020 they saw one one maybe because they did more reps they were able to do something and this is freaky because sometimes when you have these games there's always something a move that someone does that they they didn't even practice (laughs) but because of their confidence they were able to improvise like they like One of my favorite plays ever in volleyball was a 2000 gold medal match of Russia and um, Serbia Montenegro. Gerbich and Gerbich are brothers. One's a setter, one's an outside hitter. Ball goes off a digger, sails into the crowd. The outside hitter is playing left side, jumps over the the barricade, which is legal until he lands, brings it back. And then gets back on the court and blocks the opposite. <laughs> oh, my God. And blocks the opposite. Uh, um, it, it's it's. I mean, it's not hard to find on YouTube because it's it's the play of a lifetime. I bet and,
1: that crowd was electric. That's yes. crazy. Yes, and
0: the commentators were too. Wait, that was the same guy that we thought we lost.
1: Right. You know? And, and the center
0: like, on that team's like, yeah, oh, it's
1: wide open. He's not yeah. there. The hitter's like, I have an open net. And I know what the
0: oppo was thinking. Though. Right. It, it might have been – um. It was sound like, um Volkov was a middle. Doesn't his name doesn't matter. Um, I'm sure that the, they were thinking, did the fans throw him back? <laughs> did he throw him? But did the fans like like a trampoline? Like yeah, they <laughs> mosh pit him, like yeah. mosh pit him. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I always had that feeling like Taylor crowd when he goes to like these places and wants to visit new bars or whatever. Like, like I'm teasing Taylor a little bit, and I just I'm being funny randomly. But when he lost to Ospina and Lotman in austin in 2019
1: oh i'm familiar with that tournament
0: everybody was thinking everyone was thinking oh all, all of the guys here at a bar with like mosh pit and carried him in and threw him on. they had this, they had like this imagination not a literal thing like this imagination like they mosh pit and just threw him on the court and he's like oh volleyball like in people's like vivid imagination of what they think he is um and i i, I give myself permission to tease taylor because i know that man's discipline. I know when it comes to his trade and his craft he's you never see him late for anything you never see him not meet his media obligations you always see uh uh, uh the the professionalism that comes with someone uh, on a level that that's beyond his years very much like you you have you have this maturity uh that comes way beyond your years you I, you're supposed to have more hippie in you than I thought but you really don't you know so yeah you're you are you are a Californian that has this stuff together appreciate it yeah is there any, um, sorry, any like Insta handle or whatever? People want to know more about Ian Satterfield, your website. Um, they, they want to know about Ian. I'm a fan of his. How can we get him to play with the New York Strangers? How can I be down? How can I get to know Ian Satterfield? Tell him.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I have an Instagram. It's at Ian, I-A-N underscore Satterfield, S-A-T-T-E-R-F-I-E-L-D. Um, if you ever want to like reach out to me with questions or if you want to like set up coaching sessions or whatever, feel free to reach out. We'll talk about it, but yeah, Instagram and I have IanSatterfield.com, which is kind of just like, uh, has like, like home a home base, tournaments. Yeah, yeah, home tournaments, uh, schedule kind of like, um, stuff that I do outside of volleyball and just a little bit of background information.
0: Also, let's ask this guy about his color commentary. We were talking about that before the podcast.
1: Yeah, we didn't talk dude, about that. Dude, you India. had like 8
0: million views on your thing in India.
1: It's crazy. So India was awesome. All of our matches. We have to talk. Please. Yeah, we have time. Let's make time, yeah, yeah, dude. To hell with that. Yeah, it was crazy. So I guess I'll go back a little bit. So cricket is the number one sport in India. And Hands all down. the other sports are fighting for the next few positions. So volleyball is very, very popular in India, and now they're creating uh, organized professional leagues out there. So I was fortunate enough, uh, thank you to David Lee for being my first point of contact for all of this, uh, getting involved in the first, era, uh, first ever Rupee Prime Volleyball League put on by a Three. So our matches were broadcasted on Sony Sports Network, and I was That's able... Big. It's pretty cool. Just having the name itself is pretty cool. Um, and probably like, I don't know, about six matches into the season, just total matches, not for just our team. Uh, I had done color commentary a couple times and I'm riding the bus home with all the other commentators and the guy's like, Oh, great job. Like whatever. And he was like, how many people do you think are watching? Right. And I'm like, you know, it could be like 50,000. He's like, guess more. Okay, like hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah,
0: you're like, wait, India's more popular, so maybe there's more people.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, and it's the first ever, you know, season of this and whatever. So I I wasn't really sure what to expect. And he's like, try like eighteen to twenty million people watching your guys' matches per night. I was like, I'm so glad that you didn't tell me that (laughs) before our first match. (laughs) (laughs) oh man
0: there's a yeah (laughs) wow yeah
1: so uh that was such a crazy experience it was a ton of fun so doing color commentating for uh being the expert for indoor volleyball with a couple awesome co-hosts and uh yeah just just giving feedback and having fun on the mic with uh, my people around me is really cool in the presence of
0: how many million again? I need you to say that again for the podcast.
1: Yeah, so on average our matches were about 20 million viewers on TV. Uh the end of season statistics were uh f- I believe 41 million independent viewers on television and 43 million streaming.
0: Mm, good lord. You know what? To hell with I'm going to India, man. <laughs>
1: Dude, I've it's been doing sick. this wrong this whole time, Ian. <laughs> it's sick. That was just their first season. I would imagine yeah. five years from now, that league's going to be insane.
0: Yeah. They'll be calling you back, too.
1: <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know if I would play, but I would maybe coach a team. Okay, well. Yeah. If they're look- if my body wants to just play for each.
0: <laughs> let them know. If they're looking for someone who's got the gift of gab. Tell them you know a guy, (laughs) because David Lee. Tell me, tell everybody where David Lee went to school. David Lee also went to Long Beach State. Yeah, okay, you incestuous mother freaker. Okay, you know, so so you know what Dave said he knows a guy, right? Tell tell them you know a guy. (laughs) Right, right. I ain't go to Long Beach State. I went to school for acting. And by the way, if I knew the program I was in that auditioning, if I knew that they were ranked two in the country, I would have had the exact same feeling you had. Um, knowing that all these people are watching i'd be crazy i would have choked you know Squire. or maybe question of fact who knows yeah. but um right. wow i wanted to get that in because you were doing some really uh, important things not to mention fun things because fun's a common denominator everything else is like icing on the cake that's right yep all right so hey guys in satterfield I love you but i, I don't know if I, I don't i don't think i like any of you guys in fact, nah, nah, I can't stand any of you guys. In fact, we are out of here, all right? So for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPhones, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, baby. Old school for my man, Ian Satterfield. Ian's in the house. I'm Jason DeBeas. This is episode 155 of the Option Podcast. We're going to play my music and take that headset off. <laughs> and we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.